0: Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation.
1: And I'm a writer in blurred with a love for pretty
0: much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production,
1: compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our
0: conversations these past couple of decades and we think you will
1: too. This season, we're looking at 16 years of DC animated movies to see which stories are sweet and which ones
0: are sour on... Yet another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate.
1: Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Multiplicity, the film, came out. That involves a young man, played by Michael Keaton, making clones of himself because he couldn't get all the work done and balance his life. So he made a clone of himself, and that's, that's how he dealt with it. That
0: is genius. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to create clones of myself. One will record the podcast, one will edit it, and one will, um, I I don't know, just randomly say random ass things about about DC Comics.
1: (laughs) I love it. I I think that's, yeah, I I just would send, it'd be like my store clone, my alternate side parking move clone. (laughs) Very, very mundane tasks. They would be very mad with me. (laughs)
0: Oh, I guess I should also create a nine-to-five clone Yeah, as well. start, yeah there. To start there. Start there. Start there. Start <laughs> there. But clones. Clones galore. Clones here. Clones there. Things one and things two. Why are we talking about clones? We are talking about clones because we are talking about today's movie in the first episode of our new season of Sweet or Sour as we talk about Superman Doomsday. This is going to be really funny because we are also talking about a prop clone version of a movie we've already kind (laughs) of (laughs) reviewed yeah and (laughs) this kind of work yeah
1: we're doing uh it's kind of like everybody loves to introduce damien and kill jason todd yeah we're doing it again We're, we're going back to a classic superman story
0: yeah we're talking about actually the first dc original animated movie ever to be created with Superman Doomsday with a runtime of 75 minutes. It was released in 2007. Uh, When you really think about it, that's kind of funny because it's been about 15 years since this, uh, the day of the recording of this podcast, since this movie has been out. And it being like the first year of DC original content, which again, as a reminder, this season, we're going to take what we feel is the best or worst film of every Year and give it the sweet or sour rating. Uh, so we have directors, Laura Montgomery, whose name you might remember from our Crisis on Two Earths film that we just recently did. Bruce Tim is also another director on this film. Uh, his name sounds really familiar. I-, I think he did something with Batman, the animated series, you know,
1: yeah, the- maybe a couple episodes, who knows?
0: yeah maybe (laughs) and lastly this is a trifecta of directors we have three wrapping up with brandon vietti brandon vietti name is very familiar because if you are a fan of young justice you will see his name he is one of the showrunners and the producers of the series and also check out his twitter account he's really going to bat for a lot of the stories that have been happening recently in Young Justice. So shout out to Brandon Vietti for standing up for what's right and making sure that voices are heard and no one is erased. Yeah, that's
1: beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm
0: -hmm. So we got work is being done by Warner Premiere. We got the old school. Warner Premiere is back because this is a old school film. DC Comics and Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, this film is a, another adaptation of the 1992 Death of Superman story arc. And if you're unfamiliar with that, maybe just head back to season one of our show and listen to <laughs> the actual Death of Superman <laughs> episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a quick shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now time for the cast list. Um, we got first off, this is a fun little Easter egg, mainly because in our Crisis on Two Earths film, his brother voiced Ultraman. As we have Adam Baldwin is voicing Superman this time around. It's all connected. Uh, You know him from Buffy. He was Spike there. And he was also Smallville's Milton Fine, also to be revealed as, spoiler, Brainiac. Uh, But today we have James Masters, who is voicing Lex Luthor. For our Atlock fans, as the Avatar The Last Airbender Legend of Korra, uh, Suyin Beifong makes an appearance here as Anne Heche voices Lois Lane
1: oh i did not make that connection but it makes so much sense
0: yeah i was like as soon as i heard the voice i was like i know this voice i mean she's been in all the stuff that we've definitely seen but like sui and Fong is where you know her from uh ray wise who was the voice of commissioner Gordon in the killing joke joins his former chuck co-star as perry white in this film and by which i mean adam baldwin for our chuck fans out there you'll know him as uh Casey, the, I believe he was an NSA agent. I really love that show. Even even when it got bought out by Subway. (laughs) Y'all gotta do what he gotta do. (laughs) And real quick too, if you know, you might also know Ray Wise as Robin Sr. from How I Met Your Mother. And if we ever get a chance to do yet another soap opera podcast, I have some coincidence tea for y'all there. (laughs) And finally, we have the great Cree Summer, who is voicing Mercy Graves, Um, also she does voice another kid in the movie there's a little cute scene but we know her as mercy graves in our film all right so that's our cast list now it's time for us to get into superman doomsday yeah
1: so right off you start as any good superman movie should with lex narration doing a monologue about how he cannot stand this man superman and during the speech he's it, it's a weird kind of speech because he's like, oh, yeah, he's this God. He's this graceful God, but he makes no demands of of humans. And it's like watching this, I was like, did you steal this for 2016, Mr. Snyder? Because it, there's very <laughs> similar imagery and stuff. I don't know. Um, but we see Superman saving people. We see Lex is upset because he's saving people and he is plotting on how to bring this man down. Just like always. Meanwhile, Lois is trying to expose Lex her
0: own way. Yeah, we are at the Daily Planet where Lois and Perry are just fighting because Lois believes that Lex is once again up to no good. He's act- she feels that he might be doing some criminal activity through his philanthropy, which it's like a. that's like that's even the worst kind of no no. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be trying to do good while doing evil. That's just a dick move, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> So Perry tells her to drop the story, which, of course, she refuses to do, but uh, mainly because she doesn't really have much evidence to prove he's actually out there committing these crimes. But Lois leaves. Jimmy's outside listening in. And then we pan over to Clark, who is I got to say, this is probably the coolest looking Clark I've ever seen in my life, like second to maybe our new 52 DCAMU Clark, Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: I've never seen Clark wear a leather jacket before.
1: Yeah, I don't know how he's containing himself because he's, again, jacked as usual. And like, <laughs> what cow did he then. have to
0: kill? Like, I'm sorry,
1: I just have to ask this. Kryptonian leather, bro, Kryptonian <laughs> leather. That's His father sent him with a blanket and a Kryptonian leather jacket. He was like, yo, you're going to need this later, bro. <laughs> it's actually vegan, that's what it is. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> the, the power of being vegan.
0: <laughs> so uh we learned that Clark is actually... Leaving for Afghanistan, he's going to be doing a report out there to follow along with the troops, and he's saying goodbye to everyone. But it seems like no one else really wants to say goodbye to him. Perry is saying things like, "You know, you should um, make sure you're writing stories." Clark tries to talk to Lois; she kind of brushes him off. Even tells him to be careful not to step on the landmine. Like I was just like, "What the hell?" (laughs) Damn, girl, (laughs) right? (laughs) Jeez, but. You can tell that as Clark's leaving, he does look sad, and Lois looks even sadder to see him go, but we don't have much time to spend with this, I don't know, this will they, won't they kind of thing, because we have to jump over to uh, two miles underneath the Earth's surface where Lex has contracted a bunch of construction workers and scientists to enact his project Apple Core.
1: That's so weird that you said two miles exactly. I don't know why I put that in my notes, too. <laughs> two miles. They, they
0: said two miles. And I the, the main reason why I thought about it is because they were like, oh, yeah, it's two miles underneath the Earth's surface. This is where Superman can't see us. And I was just like, okay, did we just power scale in our in our in this film? That's pretty good. Is it all lead down there?
1: Is, uh, is the co- Earth's core lead paint? Not that <laughs> I know of.
0: <laughs> all the conspiracy theorists people are going crazy right now. <laughs>
1: But in any case, down there, um, the the most... I love these employees because they're so disgruntled. (laughs) It's like they're talking from an Amazon warehouse or something. And, like, (laughs) they are just so pissed at Lex. Like, oh, he's making us look at this thing and, you know, try to find and dig, blah, blah, blah. They're complaining every step of the way, but they know better than to defy Lex. So... Lex has these plans to harness what is whatever is under the earth to for his own evil gains. And it nicely parallels with Superman, who is at the fortress of solitude trying to solve cancer. That's that's a thing that happens in this movie as a side plot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, there's also Lex is also says that he found the cure to muscular dystrophy. There's a one shot thing. He's also apparently cure AIDS and the bird flu yeah and like an
1: evil farmer bro he's like right. make it less effective <laughs> otherwise they, they have to keep paying and i'm like this is probably what happens in real life <laughs> 2007 y'all was ahead of his time apparently <laughs> they predicted martin screlly <laughs> but back at the fortress of solitude we get the horniest version of superman i've ever seen on screen threatening to use that x-ray vision on lois hey Ooh.
0: um this is a uh, but... pc 13 y'all so um yeah. Please, yeah if you're watching this with your kids you, you may want to cover their eyes at certain points <laughs> <laughs> or ears
1: because <laughs> then he looks at da- no, uh but <laughs> we do find out here interesting that lois doesn't know clark is superman at this point um so it is very reminiscent to when we covered um death of Superman originally
0: in. in uh the 2016 film i want to say probably about um 2018 because the whole universe ended around 2019 2020 or so all right years don't matter anymore yeah anymore. years don't matter <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we're talking yeah. about a man that flew and went back in time in one movie so
1: weird <laughs> but he flashpointed. pointed it's a different year now <laughs> but yeah it's it seems like they've been dating for six months and superman has not revealed his identity to Lois, which really upsets Lois. But what's going to upset Lois more is what Lex just did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we find out that Lex, again, is using this Project Apple Core because he has found something buried within the Earth's surface, you know, thanks to his people who he has contracted to do so. They're trying to break through the thing. And as they do so, there's a bunch of gas that's coming out that quickly reveals this monstrous shape behind it uh there is at one point which i'm very confused about Mm -hmm. a holographic message from a random alien it is this like blue squid anthropomorphic looking thing and he's speaking the language of his home world and they're like we don't know what he's saying and lex is like oh it's a warning and i was just like lex I know we're trying to put forward that Lex is the smartest person here because he's cured AIDS and muscular dystrophy <laughs> and bird flu. But this is a whole language that he has no access to a Rosetta Stone, yet he figured out this is a warning of some
1: sort. Yeah, he's uh, he makes some leaps in this movie. Uh, like a lot of that's one of his many <laughs> scientific <laughs> leaps he makes uh, throughout.
0: <laughs> but he this does lead to. Um, before he can warn them about the warning the monstrous shape that's behind the glass breaks through revealing i assuming a top contender for our most jacked individual of our film as doomsday comes out and it's just on site with everybody like i don't think anybody survived at all in this like blair witch project style viewing of murders left and right (laughs) Yeah, there's no survivors
1: like Mm -hmm. Doomsday even kills animals like PETA was coming after Doomsday after this one. Like he's a savage in this movie (laughs) more than usual. Uh, I I do think it was interesting to have him already on Earth Mm -hmm. as opposed to usually just falling randomly. I think that's an interesting choice. Um, I'll talk about more about it later. But uh, so after Doomsday is breaks out, he makes his way straight to Metropolis. And he is tearing the city up. So luckily Superman is there. He tries his freeze breath, freezes Doomsday, and every day, it, everything is saved. They can all go home uh, until Doomsday breaks out and starts giving Clark the business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also do want to point out that for some reason, uh, Superman decided to bring Lois with him. Uh, yeah. she dro- he drops her off. On more or less the opposite side of Metropolis, which she quickly points out, but they, as Superman is just getting wrecked by Doomsday, she does call Jimmy to bring over an air, uh, not an airplane, but a helicopter, because apparently we just have news choppers all around. So they go over to watch the battle between Superman and Doomsday, and this. I will give this movie this. There's a lot of great fight choreography throughout this entire film.
1: I, I agree. I like the part where Superman throws Doomsday by his mouth.
0: Oh my it, god, that was that was crazy.
1: It, it's just insane. Like I, I love, I love that. And like during the battle, uh, you know, Doomsday goes after the helicopter at one point, and Jimmy Olsen of all people gets his woman. He mm-hmm. gets to save everybody from doomsday for a second just a second though because doomsday is uh much stronger than
0: (laughs) so this gives clark an opportunity or superman um because again it's trying to establish that superman and clark are still two different individuals even at this point in the film uh superman is able to grab doomsday and the two of them continue fighting on doomsday gets to the point where he is just basically punching Superman in the gut. This causes him to cough up blood. Some of it smears onto Lois's face from the distance. And something that keeps happening throughout the film, which begins kind of about now, Lois keeps telling Jimmy to keep the camera on the action as they are just filming Superman getting basically brutally beaten up by Doomsday. At this moment, Doomsday hears the cry of a small child there's this little girl who might have lost her guardian or her adult she is walking into the danger that's all happening doomsday turns its attention towards her this is when superman when he gets flung away to the side says no more flies on over to doomsday and unleashes the charizard against magmar seismic toss as he takes Doomsday up past the clouds, past the stratosphere, up into space, and the two of them are just going blow for blow as they re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, landing right into Metropolis. And I got to say, I appreciate what Superman did, but I'm pretty sure that all the damage that he and Doomsday just caused is not going to get covered by anybody's insurance in Metropolis.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure if he suplexed A, like a 100 ton creature into the middle of the earth it would be like a meteor hitting it i'm not a <laughs> i'm not an astronomer but i'm pretty sure that's what would happen um and yeah after using the seismic toss he does lose all his hp and <laughs> <dies>. <laughs> he asks is everyone safe and you know superman goes you're safe that's all that matters uh and dies in lois's arms because this movie is because we saw the other deaths of superman um i do compare the directly the deaths uh, and mm. how he dies and this one falls a little short for me his death at the hands of an extremely risky wrestling move is is great but in death of superman we got that scene where he pushes himself beyond his limits one last time gives everything because lois is in trouble and Twist Doomsday's neck, yeah, while getting stabbed through the chest. That is so visceral, that is like death to me. And here it kind of felt like he lost the will to live. Star Wars fans, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was almost about to say, Padme, yeah, he's bad, he Padme. He I don't know how you feel about these. How do you feel about these death scenes in
0: comparison? I do agree. Like, uh, I think there's definitely a shift now because this is the first time that I remember seeing it as he just gave up, like rather his body just gave out. Because I do remember that in the um, death of Superman, he went again, he got stabbed. And I compare it now even to the, uh, gosh, I I regret even saying this, but (laughs) Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, where they did a similar move where he was also stabbed to the heart and killed i think it is actually this version where he just his body just gave out is actually very similar if not the same as the comics but i think that it doesn't it doesn't match up really as much as like what we've seen so far of him truly going past his limits like i feel like there could have been more that could have happened I think that we've seen Superman take so much of a beating at times. And granted, this is like the very first film within all of these. So with time, they had to go up the ante a bit more. So maybe at the time it was shocking to see. But looking at it now, it's just like, oh, he's just taking a little nap. <laughs> that That's it. Like, he just yeah. needs to take a break. Like we've seen Just recalling. I love the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film the live action one you know I don't like looking at how the the costumes degraded over time but I love that film and there is a scene in which Raphael gets beat into a pulp also to the point where he has given his all he doesn't die but he gets very close to doing so he falls into a coma so this felt like this is what Superman was experiencing now at this point as well
1: yeah yeah it, it doesn't it didn't feel as uh impactful you know, yeah. as as the other ones, uh, because of the way it was staged. But it does infect the world because everyone from Ma Kent to Jimmy, even Lex, is at the funeral for Superman. And you get this sweet moment where the kid, this kid goes, I'll dress like Superman every year. And it's like, bro, you're going to need a lot of costumes. Watch that. <laughs> And, where,
0: like puberty
1: happens, kid. I think you're gonna have to buy new ones every year. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't got that Kryptonian leather, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, even th- there, there's a moment where Superman's robot, um, I assume Calx is,
0: yeah, it looks a lot like, um, in terms of the face, it looks like Calx, but I think this is the first time I've actually seen it have a full body, like an anthropomorphic body versus like a, a floating little ant or something. <laughs> I'm just
1: going to call him Baymax. Uh, <laughs> Baymax uh, <laughs> even sits down <laughs> in recognition of the loss of Superman. And here, I, I I love the Lois and, you know, Lex, you know, the distrust between them. But we have this bizarre plot point where someone at the funeral tries to poach Jimmy for their gossip magazine. Yeah. Why would you do that then?
0: Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it really wasn't the best time. I feel, or, or the best plot point, because it felt like we were like it would have made more sense if like Jimmy, just with time passing, maybe he just decided to go to a gossip magazine because he wanted something a bit more lighthearted. But again, why was this dude? Also, why does dude have his business cards ready to go at a funeral for Superman? Like. He was looking for Jimmy, I feel. Like, this wasn't a chance opportunity. He was like, yo, the minute Superman dies, I'm in there. That's kind of yeah. how it felt like. I bet he works
1: for TMZ. You know? <laughs> we never got confirmation, but I think it was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so after the funeral, Lois goes to my Kent because she sees my Kent at Superman's funeral. And give full credit, Lois put the pieces together and deduce that Clark and Superman are one and the same. Uh, And tragically, she never got to have that moment where they were out and honest with each other completely. So Ma Kent and Lois have this nice moment where they comfort each other and just are there for each other. And I think this is an effective one scene that, you know, is kind of glanced over. Uh, a lot in these, you know, death of heroes of like meeting the family. So I did like that they took a second to establish this connection with them. But while they're being comforted, things are going bad for Metropolis. Crime rates are up. It looks like Gotham City instead of Metropolis over there. (laughs) Jimmy's at the Gossip Magazine for reasons and things are just getting worse. And as things are getting worse and escalating, Lex wants no part in taking any blame, and he has another plan in the works. So after he has Mercy complete the plan, he shoots her
0: in the head. I was really shocked about this because, again, this is 2007. I'm not going to be watch- trying to. I'm not going to be watching this religiously. So I'm not. I didn't remember that this part happened. I was shocked that they took out Mercy like that because. She seems, she's always been such a big figure within the Lex world of this Superman, the animated series style. I know it's not connected to the mm. to the actual show, but the stylistic of, a, of it all is very similar. So to take her out, it's showing how cold Lex is. Like this is definitely a new kind of Lex. This is a PG-13 Lex. And part of me is like, how did he hide the body after that fact? But also I guess it is Lex. But it is weird that they took her out um i guess mainly because i'm also trying to remember if she was that big of a part within the uh the actual story um because thinking back to the death of superman film she seemed to more or less have disappeared after lex had done a similar move not necessarily shooting her but using her as a way to protect himself So I do appreciate this characteristic style of Lex. I think, though, that they went really far with shooting her point blank in the head, though.
1: Yeah, that was very intense. Her death was more intense than Superman's.
0: Right, yes! (laughs) It's crazy to me. The entire time, the rest of the film was just like, damn, they really just took her out like that. But... They don't have
1: time to worry about dead bodies because Toy Man is back. That's Mm -hmm. right. The most frightening villain. And to give full credit where credit is due. This is one of the most frightening versions of Toy Man I have ever seen.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, quick shout out to John DiMaggio for voicing the character. If you listen closely, you can hear Um, bender from Peturama, his most sadistic self in this point.
1: (laughs) It's fitting he's controlling a robotic spider creature thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And he's trying to bend a lot of things that people shouldn't be trying to bend.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, because he is threatening to crush these children inside of a school bus if his demands are not met. And Lois, of all people, Lois goes up to the roof and tries to save the kids. And she gets most of them out except right before she's about to leave, um, this baby Chucky doll that <laughs> Toy Man has access to nearly takes her out with a knife. And at this point, I was like, PG-13, right? Yes, PG-13.
0: I was I was getting <laughs> scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what... Things were different back in 2007 because this is not the PG-13 I'm accustomed to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh fortunately lois is able to grab the little girls they head to the back toy man hears the commotion the screams of the little girl so he tries to attack the bus ultimately also taking out the little chucky doll but as he takes the bus to throw it off the building this is where we see that it's plummeting towards the ground but before it can hit the ground we see a fist come out of the ground near the site of superman's memorial as superman now we see flies over to where the bus is falling catches it midair and we get a chance to see lois and superman see each other for the first time since he's died and it's a touching moment because he's basically doing everything he always does it's like saying i'm here um you know i'll protect you he immediately jumps into action as he's going to take down toy man he uses his laser vision to take out the legs of the mechanical ants um there is this one little Easter egg that pops up that I could tell was a little bit for fan service. There is a person there who, after uh, Superman takes out Toy Man, he's very upset over the fact that Superman has taken out this character. by, And he comments, so it was just like, see, we didn't really need him to take out uh, Mechanical ants. This person is supposed to be Kevin Smith. Who also voices this character as well. And this is one of the plot points that he wanted to include in his Superman Lives movie, where Nicolas Cage is supposed to play Superman. Oh, see,
1: quite slight thing, because I, I know this story well. Mm. He was contractually obligated. Are you to serious? A giant mechanical spider into the plot if his movie was made, because <laughs> the producer wanted to include it. Because it didn't fit into that movie, that it was introduced into Wild Wild West. That's why there's a giant mechanical spider in Wild Wild West for no reason because of Superman Lives failing. Get the get out. That is the story. That is exactly how it happened.
0: Uh so see y'all don't put random mechanical spiders in your film. <laughs> that's what happens. See? <laughs>
1: so yeah, it that's a it's a great easter egg. It's one of the best easter eggs I've seen.
0: But as Superman saves the day, he, everybody's watching. They're, they're, Ma Kent is pleased to see her son again. Lex is shocked to see that his greatest adversary has come back to life. And Superman takes off with Lois as the two of them are flying off into the, into the night sky. They're, they're sharing about the fact that, you know, they're happy to see each other. But before she can return home, she notices that Superman is flying past her place. So he, she quickly calls it out. And then they do share a kiss and she's realizing that the kiss seems different to him. He's just saying that like, oh, he just came back to life. So he just needs to get reacclimated. But some, something is off. Something is definitely off.
1: Yes. And we quickly find out what is going on with this Superman because we go back to Lex and we find out he's painted his building with lead paint, bro. That's against all kinds of codes you need <laughs> they, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen bro you need to take all of that out and he steps into a room um, a red room and Superman walks in and Lex is immediately ready to give Superman that smoke and you're like what is going on and he beats Superman badly because uh, it's a red sun room and goes who's your daddy and I uh, <laughs> <laughs> This, this Lex is so savage. And it turns out he was being literal because Alex is his dad because this is a clone of Superman. And Lex is using this clone Superman for his own needs. He completely controls him. And now we have to worry about what his intentions are with this Superman. And again, comparison. Now we're switching over to the Reign of the Superman, another movie we covered mm-hmm. where Lex uh, created a clone of uh, called Superboy, which he also tried to control for. Where in that movie, his methods were pretty obvious. He was just trying to get publicity. Here, it's not exactly sure what I, he wants to accomplish with this clone Superman. Um, I'm yeah. not really sure what the end game is here.
0: Yeah, it was confusing. I, I partly feel it's just that Lex just missed his buddy I kind of feel like that's what it was um because and maybe this is just his own way of just getting some closure really I guess about his Superman's true death like I mean hey like I know this is really weird especially because quick shout out to cool weaponry uh Lex also created like a, a kryptonite gauntlet with kn- kryptonite knuckles on it but He I guess he really just wanted to have an opportunity to be the one to take out Superman, because there is at some points when he does mention that, you know, he he was so close after all these years to be the one. But then his greatest foe died when fighting somebody else. So I think this is just a little bit of like, I want to close the loop. I want to be able to get what I wanted. But through some genetic. Uh, creation and the reason why we find out that he was able to clone superman is because he actually has superman's body in his building the real superman is in there he's being held in this uh i want to say it's kind of like it's like a trophy maybe it's like a stasis tube of some sort but he's in this tube and he reveals that he was able to take the specks of blood that have fallen during the battle of doomsday and use it to clone superman but now he's just going to keep on using this clone to create the the luther law as he likes to call it while also keeping the true body of superman as a trophy in his house um and that's kind of like the main focus i guess of his whole plot like that's his evil master plan like but the it, army of Superman. <laughs> yeah like i uh, he really only has one as far as we know it now at this point but i mean hey well either way we have to jump over to the daily planet because um lois is just still racking around in her mind why this superman just seems so different to her
1: yeah and she also has to factor in the fact that clark is not around which is also very weird mm-hmm. for her to know um which also does super lex know clark is superman anyway he um, doesn't
0: because um (laughs) another good plot point in here is that lex does point out that he was able to create this version of superman from everything that he knew and not from the memories of of the true superman so everything he's putting in is just like ideas and thoughts that he may have so the, the connection between Superman and Lois isn't there because he didn't know about Superman and Lois been dating for the last six months. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so she
1: she knows something is off. And while, um, although she tries to go to Jimmy, he's wearing a, too much Italian silk to help now. Like, it, it just won't work. And they witness a news report so we find out Toy Man escaped, killed a girl, and Superman will not stand for this clone Superman. So he goes in justice and kills Toy Man by dropping him from a high level and in front of publicly. Everyone sees this. And even when he goes to, he's just flying around the street trying to look at, get cats out of the tree, he threatens an old woman for letting her cat go into a tree. (laughs) The police show up. He tries to stop him. They try to stop him, though. I don't know what they were intending to do here.
0: Yes, this Um, is like when they (laughs) tried to shoot the water. It was not going to work.
1: Yeah, so many people just shoot in the water. And Superman won't even let them curse. So now we're seeing this clone Superman is going off the rails. And as much as Lex would love to have his real Superman in the Zordon tube he has him held up in, That real Superman is gone. So now it's just Lex and clone Superman. I'm just thinking
0: about Superman in the Zordon (laughs) tube. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lex doesn't have Superman in the Zordon tube anymore. And as an added bonus that he was not expecting, clone Superman does some impromptu surgery at a Mm. hair salon to take out the safety measure put in his head against in case he tried to rebel against lex so now he's on his way to
0: lex and he ain't too happy yeah so quick reminder about this if you saw and listened to our episode on injustice um apparently lex had put a little kryptonite shard inside between the two lobes of superman clone superman's brain um that he could release at any point So that's what Superman was able to get out. And then, again, we have the true Superman who has been taken out of the stasis tube. As we quickly learned that this was because uh, Kellex slash Baymax, I do like Baymax. I'm going to go with Baymax. (laughs) (laughs) Baymax, he registered the pulse from Superman's biorhythmic signature. He recognized it. 17 days ago and had to wait another 17 days for it to be found and this is where he reveals this to a superman who is now waking up he is back from the dead he is in the fortress of solitude he's pleased to be back but however he's still in a ton of pain he's woken up from what we seen now more like a coma because his body has slowed down his heart rate enough just so he can heal and we get this little thing about how not even death could hold back Superman. So now we um, this is where um, Baymax gets our true Superman up to date about everything that's going on, how he found him at LexCorp, how there are reports of a new Superman flying around and you can only assume that it's a clone of his. And as far as he could tell right now, he hasn't done really any harm. But that's because he's not checking the news reports. Like, um, I guess anybody who is doesn't have a he's legit living under a rock. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't have serious cable in uh, in. <laughs> they
1: don't have no reception, out no there. reception out there. <laughs> so while Superman is getting his act together, Lois is out there doing reporting and she gets into Lex's office and For a second, where again, is this PG-13? Because she's she's seducing Lex a little bit. She's getting a little Mm -hmm. close. She's about Mm -hmm. to get in there. And then it is revealed that she was there to sedate him with a needle, which I love. I love this initiative from Lois. And since she sensed something was going off and going wrong, she investigates the facility and finds a room full of Superman clones um, unfortunately for her, even though she brought the needle, Ble- Lex brought the blippy, and he's ready
0: to take <laughs> her
1: out. <laughs> but just when things are about to go south, evil Superman arrives.
0: Yeah, he immediately quickly determines that um, Lex is not his friend because Lex does try to use his safety measure. Unfortunately for him, he does quickly see that um, Superman now has a crater from the pimple he just gave. He just <laughs> got rid of. Uh, so now he looks around our evil superman and sees the different clones all around all programmed to follow lex's bidding just like he was so he unleashes his heat vision to to destroy the entire facility leaving lois and jimmy to try to run out and escape and lex does escape as well but he heads on over to his red room thinking that he's ready once again to take down our evil Superman, he's got his kryptonite gauntlets ready. He's got the red solar energy going on. He's waiting for this Superman clone to come through. But as the evil Superman comes to the door, he closes the door on him, locking Lux into the room, and then takes the room, pulls it out from the building to throw it into the streets, through buildings, ultimately um more or less leaving lex at 1 hp.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like we we know lex ain't going out that easy, but they kind of leave it ambiguous for a second. Yeah. He <laughs> did die. Uh so right now Superman, the real Superman, uh mullet Superman if you will, is <laughs> at the fortress. He knows the the clone is getting too out of pocket. So Baymax brings him a blippy of his own and gets him a kryptonite cannon and puts him in a black suit that will absorb more solar radiation than usual. Uh, so I like this little cannon for that black solar suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he flies over to clone Superman and I do appreciate in this scene the army is facing clone Superman, but they they know it's over. They know. Oh my god. <laughs> They're like
0: what's the point <laughs> <laughs> this was the second fastest battle I think only because this is like the Doomsday battle lasted very short but this is a quick battle <laughs> um where super the evil superman he uses his laser vision once again to destroy every single uh tank missile plane everything is just destroyed setting back the 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 government thousands and millions of dollars and and stuff. So now at this point we all hope seems lost except for you know our true superman in his all black suit he's flying towards him gun in hand and he's ready to take down clone superman. They everybody's just shocked to see this. They're trying to figure out is this another evil superman? Is this a another clone? Um but Lois seems to be the only one to kind of sense that maybe this is the the real deal as our two supermen come face to face and our clone immediately knows this is the real deal like he, he immediately calls him out um you know judges him for the black outfit uh judges him for the hair uh, so now they go hand-to-hand combat as he, our true superman tries to shoot him with the kryptonite gun but he uh, Clone Superman is just too fast. So now they got to rely on good old fisticuffs to handle this situation.
1: Yeah, one of evil Superman's powers is definitely taunting. He's got that taunt button as they <laughs> engage in another crazy fight for the movie where the, the Superman's, the Supermen's, <laughs> the Supermen. <laughs> 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 they don't hold back. They're giving everything they can to fight each other while while Lois is using her Fast and Furious classes to try to find the gun in the middle of the rubble. Again, Zack Snyder, did you steal this for 2016 when Lois was looking for the spear underwater? <laughs> the kryptonite spear? Seems similar. And I do like this theme between, in the battle of them in, implying like this is a reflection of what Clark could have been if he was the god, the tyrant mm. that Lex had always been scared of. And, you know, he calls him in my reflection in a cracked mirror and i I do also love that evil superman tries to kill the other superman with his own monument like oh my god that that was
0: an insult to injury
1: (laughs) this guy i love it um but at this point just when he needs it the good superman moat superman if you will (laughs) gets back the kryptonite gun and it's too late though (laughs) it does not work it's not it is not effective not very effective
0: yeah this is a dangerous situation now for our boy in blue or rather black so the struggle leads into evil superman clone superman and our superman in black fighting against each other once again lead into the the kryptonite gun falling to the ground and falling apart in some oil was this? Oil? I-, I was very confused at what was this was on the ground. I I
1: I don't know. Black mold like <laughs> has some <black laughs> building codes. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So they during the fight, um our evil superman does fall to the ground, and apparently the cartridge of the kryptonite gets stuck to his chest because of this black substance. So Our mullet Superman uses his heat vision one last time to, um, I want to say, turn the liquid kryptonite into gas. There is your physics science lesson for today, kids. Um, Don't know how that, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, (laughs) So this leads into our clone Superman inhaling every ounce of that kryptonite, causing him to fall to the ground. And we get a parallel here now of the original death of Superman as our mullet Superman runs over to console our clone Superman as he is dying in his arms. And much like earlier in the film, our clone Superman asked him to just protect the people. It's a
1: really really beautiful ending for the character. Uh, Even though we didn't get too much, again, of his own personal goals and desires, he felt a lot like Injustice Superman, actually, Mm. in that way uh but yeah his he in his last breath he showed that he was a clone of superman he just took things too far he didn't have that morality um that was so key which makes sense when you're made by lex Luthor. (laughs) (laughs) and so as we wrap up here superman knows that people are gonna have trouble trusting him so he immediately tries to kiss a baby You know, that's good for your public image, (laughs) saving a child. And in this climax, in this uh, climactic last scene, he's just talking about how you're going to win the trust back with the people. But he's going to start with giving his trust to Lois and fully sharing who he is and his identity. And as he enjoys this new phase of his life, Lex, with a bunch of medical damage, (laughs) <laughs> is in his office salty as hell just where he started
0: yep uh i do like this scene because one of those very reminiscent of the um for our smallville fans of the season eight return of lex luther where was it wasn't really michael rosenbaum but he was dressed up in a very similar way as he's talking about how he's going to continue on with his war against superman um, because even though superman is a god gods can die and they can come back to life but it may seem that they could come back so he's going to continue on to see if he can finally take down the uh the boy scout and that wraps up our film that wraps up the 2007 superman doomsday the first film within the dc original animated movie universe Before we give our rating of whether it was sweet or sour, here's a word from our Forgotten Entertainment family members about a podcast you should be listening to and a new show for you to tune into. Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment Family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Now it is time for the rating. Andrew, what do you think? What are, how does Superman Doomsday measure up for after about what is now like 15 odd years? So, you know, 15 years ago,
1: I think this would have been an easy, easy, sweet movie. Um, because it covers so much ground, it covers so much efficiency. But hindsight is twenty twenty two, uh, and <laughs> here we here now that we're here. I have to say, this has aged into a sour. Mm. Um, the reason why is because uh, there is a clear reason now why Death of Superman and Reign of Superman were two different movies. Mm -hmm. Because the events leading up to death of Superman, when you do when it was a full movie, it was just about the the humanity, the fight, the struggle against this unstoppable force and the fall of Superman as he tried to maintain a relationship with Lois. And then you get in Reign of Superman, the absence of Superman, the absence of Superman and what that does to people and how other people step in and take his place. Some. Similar, some clones, different versions of Superman before Superman returns and brings back the goodwill. So when you combine all of that into one movie.
0: Mm-hmm. For you, less, less a runtime. Also,
1: we well, yeah with a very short runtime, you lose a lot of it. You don't really feel the absence of Superman. Um, you just feel. Like we're rushing to get because we've ran out of the death of Superman story, which is wrapped up in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, with a lot of information crammed in character motivations that don't really make sense, we really don't know what Lex was hoping to achieve with an army of Superman. And if he had created this army, how did he hope to control all of them? Like, granted, he had the pebble of kryptonite in their heads, but did he not think one of them would figure it out? Like i don't think he's that stupid i think he would have had a contingency plan other than a red room and a pebble um so his motivations are all over the place clone superman we just get that he's filling in for superman but we don't get anything more compared to cyborg superman who had a whole motivation on his own outside of being superman so again character motivations aren't strong and while it's a great performance for lois um the superman is just kind of bland too (laughs) there's really not much to him um and yeah so i think because there are there's an opportunity for you to watch a better version of the story told against two movies that are equally great uh i think this is a sour for me what about you
0: yeah i'm gonna have to agree this is a sour for me also um you know, it's, I, you, you got to give credit where credit's due. It's, you know, it's the first of the films and all that. So, you know, they definitely helped pave the way. Um, and, you know, they did it in a style that was very familiar to to fans. Like, you know, a, a lot of it is animated and drawn to look like that Superman, the animated series look even though Lois looks significantly younger to me. I, I don't know. Like it just seemed compared to our Lois Lane from the Superman, the animated series, it seemed like she was new to um, the to, to Daily Planet. But also it just felt off because I agree the pacing was off. Like, I think I remember at one point I might've said that it didn't make sense to split both of the films, but now I see that it definitely does make sense to split both of the films. um. Because we again had a Superman doomsday. The doomsday being the title of the film, being the title of the character. Doomsday is only in the film for like 26 minutes out of 75. Oh, that yeah, is of the, the movie. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that is about what's it like? Almost a third of the film is just the titular the, the, the villain, and then he disappears. You never see him again, never hear from him again. Yeah, his impact is. Um, you know is there throughout the rest of the film but like all this other stuff felt extra like this really felt like it would have been better it was like more focused on the reign of the superman so i'm gonna have to keep comparing it to that just because the story was told better across two films um another thing too that i had to rate it sour for is uh I found Lex to be creepy. I'm sorry. I'm just going (laughs) to There was definitely at one point where I was just like, I feel like Lex wants to be in the middle of a Superman and Lois sandwich. There was just a lot going on. (laughs) Like, the who's your daddy line, like, I know that literally meant. Yeah, but it felt very weird because I was just like, is there a, I know there's a hatred towards him, but is there also a love towards him because of the fact that this is uh Lex's like greatest adversary like there were a lot of lines where it just seemed like he was very much in love for admiration for Superman and then it was just like but now I'm gonna I want to kill him like it 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 felt like I thought it was cool like I think um Masters played the character well in terms of that flip-flop in between but I do wish we kind of kind of like explained a little bit about or dived into that maybe at some point to explain that and I think that's just a condition of like we were rushed of trying to explain Lex's plan which really wasn't explained that well um, his reasoning for you know creating the clones and why he truly wanted to get rid of Superman because at the end of the day this is just like you have to know the story about Superman and Lex to really understand this because there's nothing that it's pulling from um, but I think for his time some of the great things i did like about why i would have you know if it was sweet i would have leaned it towards this way i think the voice acting was great i think sound editing which i won an award for was amazing like um i know this is like really weird to say but it felt like you can actually tell that every single bone bone that doomsday was breaking was actually being broken Mm -hmm. like i think that's something that we don't really hear much of so shout out to the sound editing for doing such a great job with that. Also, I can definitely tell that this is a movie that maybe was a more of a cinematic watch. Like this seems like I need to watch this in theaters, maybe to truly appreciate it. Um, so that's why I was just like, it's I love moments like that where it's just like, I want my first thought after watching it was just like, for certain things, I would want to watch this in theaters, but for the storytelling and everything, Uh, It was too fast-paced. It just seemed like we were kind of all over the place. So that's why over the 15 years, it is unfortunately now sour. Yes. Not everything can age well, guys. You know? It's not like wine. No. (laughs) Oh, also the Jimmy plot point. I definitely agree with that. Oh, yeah, the Jimmy. is so weird.
1: That's in the character motivations of, you know, why was this happening? Um, (laughs) Yeah. My Arte alteration, which is absolutely crazy and radical, and I don't know if it would fix much, but I would like to cut the middleman out and have Jimmy work for Lex. Mm. I, I would have Lex, you know, make the case that, you know, he, he and Superman had their differences, but he recognizes Jimmy's talent. He's like, are you going to keep risking your life or are you going to come work for me? And I And like have Jimmy as a part of the scheme, as kind of a way to replace mercy and mm-hmm. have him enjoying. Cause it also makes sense why he would have silk clothes and stuff like he right. does in the movie. So he gets like, he's enjoying in the finer standards of life. He suspects something is off and he's the one who helps Lois expose Lex. Not that there's anything wrong with Lois doing it herself and seducing Lex, whatever, but it would have been kind of cool to see Jimmy take action and help out Superman and be there for that. Instead of just kind of, being there whenever Lois needed him to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I think there is a lot of great work that was done with some of the, um, were well, not great work, but rather there was some work that I felt like we could have expanded a bit more some of the characters. I also have my own R.O.T. alteration. Oh, um, go, go yeah. for it. Let's hear it. I want more of Ma Kent. Yeah. She did such a great job. Like um, two of my favorite scenes, of hers was not even the crime scene, but it was the scene where she first meets Lois for the first time, where Lois heads on over to Smallville. And her immediate reaction, upon realizing that Lois knows that Clark and Superman are one and the same, is to immediately defend her son. Mm-hmm. She keeps up the facade of making it seem like she still thinks Clark is over in Afghanistan. Upon learning that Lois knows that Clark and Superman is the same, she immediately questions Lois' intentions about, you know, given the fact that she's a reporter. And you can see that she starts turning to recognizing that she has someone that she can confide in now after losing her son. And then finally, when the evil Superman had killed Toy Man and heard him speaking about his reasons behind it, she looks at the TV and just says, that's not the boy I raised. The Ma Kent was such a great addition to this film and I wanted more of her because I felt like she had a lot of great scenes and there, there was like some way that we could have seen that play out like maybe she actually got a chance to even meet the clone Superman that that's something that didn't happen and I wish that it was maybe um maybe she teamed up with Lois to do the investigation instead of it being Jimmy in some way shape or form
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that either. Like just, yeah, Ma Kent was definitely great. And I I think they were just, they just did a weird focus on the wrong people Mm -hmm. without giving them enough to uh, work with. Right. right. I think that's what hurt it and prevented it from aging well because before they just got by, by adapting famous comics. But now it's like, no, you got to do a little bit more if you're going to stand up the test of time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah definitely true uh and speaking of comics uh it's time for that comic book knowledge so if you want to hear more about that comic book knowledge literally just go back to our death of <laughs> superman episode there isn't much more that i can add that was wasn't already revealed you know doomsday was a creation because people got upset over the fact that superman always won and all his villains were basically smart individuals so they wanted to have him team up and fight against somebody who was um, you know, stronger than he was. So that is basically how, why Doomsday was created. Much of the story is very similar to what we see in the in our films, both well, basically all three films now at this point. Um, and uh, also just really dealing with the impact. Like you know, Superman's death did have some impact across the comic book history. All the books where he was listed and featured in. They focused in on the story and stopped, even stopped production at one point um, just to give it time for Superman to actually return. So that's everything, again, that really just happened that encompassed with the Doomsday Death of Superman story. If you want to know more, check back to our Death of Superman um, episode. But instead, I do want to ask, Andrew, since we have seen so many deaths of heroes across time and space and multiverses, which death of a hero or villain have you connected with them? Have you, like, I guess, like is most memorable, and which was like, this was a really good story of a death versus, I don't understand why this person was even killed in the first place? <laughs> uh, the two, I don't know why these two came to mind
1: so quickly. Uh, well, I know why one of them, but the other, the other one is, uh, yeah, so. For, in terms of the best, it's Killmonger for me. In terms of villain death, uh, mm-hmm. Killmonger at the end of Black Panther. Uh, yeah, he could be healed, but he says, just bury me in the ocean where my ancestors jumped from the ships because they knew freedom was better than bondage. Like, that moment will never leave my mind <laughs> for as long <laughs> as I live. That is a great death. It is a symbolic death, and there's so much packed to it. Uh, so, I think that's one of the great deaths because it encapsulates someone living uh, to their character, to their personality, to their beliefs, committing to their beliefs, even at death. I love it. Um, in terms of worst, uh, there might be worst out there, but the ones that come to mind the doubleheader, Talia and Bane at the end mm. of Dark Knight Rises. Yes. Bane getting got by Catwoman shooting a motorcycle round at him, even though Catwoman and Bane really don't have a relationship in that movie. Um, so it's not satisfying. It's not climactic. It's just lame. And then Talia's death, of all the takes they could have used when she crashed into um, crashed several stories after Batman killed her. Um, they chose to use a take where she slumps over and is like, my father, work is done. And just slumps over like you... She- <laughs> she ate an edible like no <laughs> no that's not how you kill talia Algul. um it's almost as bad as
0: bad blood's death
1: but those those are mine what about you
0: <laughs> oh my gosh uh wow <laughs> that's a good one those are good ones yeah i i'm gonna go with um worse for me is and mostly because it wasn't even really a death but they made it seem so I always hated the Christ, uh, uh, not Christ. Uh, one of the crisis that's where basically Batman dies. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it ends up being something that gets used a lot, especially in Batman Bad Blood, where it's just like people think he's dead, but he's not really dead. Um, it's something where it's just like it didn't make any sense. And as a follow up to that, just because it's a very close second joker's death in titans oh god it is the dumbest death that i've ever heard mainly because it completely destroyed the character of batman i you know like yeah if you want to put that in your media that's totally fine but let it have an impact of some way shape or form as soon as it happened bruce wayne peaced out and it was like it was totally fine like nothing happened there were no ramifications in the end. Basically, everybody else just took up the slack. It was basically Batman decided to take vacation real quick. And then once he came back, it was like, everybody forgot about Joker dying. There was no no one cared about Batman killing Joker or anything like that. So it's just like those two were really close. To my, like basically my top worst steps of all time. Um, I think my... Best if this is going to be a wild card, but uh, Black Canary in Arrow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it is really great writing where you spent, where you basically had a character who was hated by fans for three years to write her a great story by season four and then to kill her at the end of it. And then everybody was upset about it. I think that is amazing. Like that to me has always been what I felt was like, you know what? You did a great job in writing because no one at the end of it ever said, I'm glad she's gone. Everybody was actually distraught over her death. And this is after hating her for three years. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Cause they also, you're
1: like, she'll be fine. It's just a little stab wound. Mm -hmm. Nope. Stabbed with an arrow mm-hmm. uh, by Damian Dark. And that does remind me, now that you sparked that, for my DC best death uh, recently, I want to go Martin Stein in Legend- oh, off yeah, of Legends, of Legends of Tomorrow. tomorrow. Yes. Because it's a crossover episode. And in crossover episodes, no one really dies in a crossovers, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Not
1: this time, as he sacrifices his life to save his partner in crime, Jax, leaving Jax powerless mm-hmm. uh, because he's one half of Firestorm. But ensuring that Jax will live. Fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. Shout out to the writers who are doing things that are completely different and changing the game of, like, what does it mean to be for a superhero death? Because we always just assume that a superhero will always come back, which they do. But sometimes there there are some deaths that are just very long lasting. And I think, though, it, it all comes down to how you write it. Because again, it's just like, do you create the character who is beloved by all and give him an opportunity to do the thing where it's just like, you know, it's like my, like all these cop dramas and movies where it's just like, I'm just two days from retirement. (laughs) Or do you work on the character who hasn't gotten that shine and then you just make them a star on their, on their way out. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that was the, the thing there with best and worst deaths. Um, those are some deaths that I feel definitely soured the time. And some that's probably even gotten sweeter. So now that we finished talking about Super Superman Doomsday episode, we're continuing on our sweet or sour season, following up with our next film, Batman Gotham Night, um, premiered in 2008. So keep an eye out for our next week's episode. Until then, take care of yourselves and remember that, well, I guess if you're going to switch jobs, make sure that you can get that fine Italian silk. If a bald man
1: says, who's your daddy while you're in a red room, you're either going to have the greatest or worst night of your life. Just be ready for either. It's PG-13, though. Yeah, PG-13, though. Yeah. It's on the candle. <laughs> <laughs>